Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another faith-building message by Pastor David Entry. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. May your knowledge of Jesus Christ increase as you listen. Be blessed. Every Sunday for some time now, I've been teaching on First Peter. And it is good to go from verse to verse, chapter to chapter, um, on the book of Peter. It's called exposition, expositional teaching. And we want to open the word, dissect the word of God and see what it actually means and what it's actually saying to us. And I trust God. As long as God me give, give as long as God gives me the grace, the strength, and the ability. I trust God to be able to take you through the entire Bible. Amen. That will take many, many years, but we will get there. Hallelujah. Well, First Peter, last week I, I focused on First Peter chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. All right. So I want us to do reading, the reading. Reading from First Peter chapter 2, I want to read from verse 11 all the way to this 25 it says that dearly beloved i beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul having your conversation honest among the gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify god in the day of visitation Submit yourself to every ordinance of men for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto the governors as unto them that are sent by him for the, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. For this, for this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it, patient, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, were you called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did not who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That being dead to sin, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we, we were healed. For ye 
were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. Amen. Hallelujah. I feel like shouting hallelujah. In our previous session last Sunday, I spoke about how sin is not innocent um, or fleshly lusts are not just innocent uh, temptations, but they are actually a military campaign, an organized guerrilla or organized warfare against your soul. That means against your peace, against your faith, against your usefulness to God, and against your joy in God. These things, sin, the last, uh, the fleshly lust is actually fighting against you. If you give fleshly, fleshly lust the opportunity, there's no way you can have peace in God. There's no way you can have joy in God. There's no way you can be useful to God. And there's no way you can walk in effective faith. But we thank God that he has given us the victory through Christ Jesus. Sin shall no longer have dominion over us. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 6, 14. Sin shall no longer have dominion over us. So uh, just a bit of a recap from First Peter uh, chapter 1. Uh, Bible talks about how he has begotten us unto a lively hope. And then once it talks about what God has done for us, the Bible will always tell us what we are supposed to do. The scriptures always tell us there's no way you see scripture giving privileges without following up or saying, talking about our responsibility. So you always see, therefore, wherefore, therefore, wherefore, which means based on what God has done, we too, this is what we are supposed to do. And first on the list is we are supposed to live a godly life. First Peter chapter one, we are supposed to live a godly life. And then number two, we are supposed to live in unfeigned love or genuine love or mask love towards the brethren. And number three, it talks about how we should move towards spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is very important. So once you are born again, walk in a life that uh, that is in line with God's holiness or conduct your conduct must be pure and then you must love the brethren and you must strive towards spiritual maturity and then number three we you have to um in as we strive towards spiritual maturity we all are built together to a holy temple and as uh, a holy priesthood and a spiritual temple which has which connotes a pure worship service to God, service doing his work. So after we mature, after after he enjoys us unto maturity, he now talks to us about how we should work towards building God's house, building God's house and offering up spiritual um, uh, uh, as priests, offering up spiritual oh, uh, holy priesthood, offering up spiritual sacrifices. So we are called to offer sacrifice and build God's house. So building God's house, watch this, building God's house and our act of worship go hand in hand. You can't be a true worshiper and not build God's house. And you can't be trying to build without being a true worshiper. Your heart is for God. If you want to build the church, your heart must be for God. It's not, we are talking about a true heart of worship. Every true heart for God or every true heart of worship invariably will build the church of God, will do the work of God. Yes. So if you have a true heart for God, you will build his church. If you genuinely are interested in building his church, you will genuinely, it will be born out of a true heart of worship. So our highest act of worship is to be building 
his church, is to be doing his work, is to work alongside God. Look at what God is doing and doing what God is doing. Loving God and living according to his purpose. Romans 8.28, and we know all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. All right, so his purpose is in place and our love for him is in place. And so now, so a true heart of worship that builds the work of God. So living, uh, 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 conducting our lives in a holy manner, unfeigned or unmatched love for the brethren because we are born again. These are things that naturally we must pursue and live our lives for. And then number three, spiritual maturity. Number four, working for God out of a true heart. And then number five, it talks about you must also know your identity. So you must know your identity, accept our identity in Christ, which I spoke about the four major things that we are. We are a chosen generation, number one. We are a prayer, royal priesthood, number two. We are a holy nation, number three. And we are a peculiar people or a special treasure of God. You must know our identity. So accept our identity in Christ. Then the, the fifth point that he moves on to talking to us about is how we should conduct our lives. So the living, uh, uh, how we should live lives as strangers, okay, as strangers, as sojourners, as pilgrims. There is a way we should live. There is a way we should conduct our life. So notice that again, he talks about our personal holiness in life and in, in our conduct that reflects God. And then our love for the brethren, and then our spiritual maturity, and then our commitment to building his house out of a true worship, then our discovery or acceptance of our identity in Christ, then after all these personal things have been in place, he said, we, because now our attitude, our relationship to the world, because we are pilgrims, because we are sojourners, because we are foreigners, because this is not our destination. Because of that, you know, that is a foundation. That becomes the foundational philosophy of every social activity or every Christian's living, so long as so your our public life and our private lives are is even concerned or our public life social responsibility i'm talking about does the christian actually have a, a, a social responsibility what is the christian's social responsibility what is our responsibility towards society what is uh, the, the Ethics that govern being a Christian, so long as relationship with society, relationship with people, relationship with the world is concerned. Now, it's in order to be able to be effective and think about that. First of all, he says that you, you, you have to identify the fact that besides these four special identities we have, we must also identify the fact that we are actually sojourners. We are pilgrims. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 reads, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. That's foundational. That's foundational. So he's addressing us. Now, I'm not addressing you as uh, people who have arrived. I'm not addressing, he said, I'm not addressing you as people who have gotten, gotten it all together. But I'm addressing you as strangers. So then, watch this. Once you lose that status, 
okay that your status that mindset as a stranger you won't be able to be effective and you will not be able to effectively carry out their instructions or the directives i'm about to give you will not be able to effectively live it in the absence of a mindset or a philosophy of uh, a, a, a pilgrim so he said I beseech you as strangers, as, take the word, take notice of the word, as strangers. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. So, so because you are strangers and pilgrims, I'm not you as, I'm, I, I beseech you, use the word dearly beloved. So it's not like a, a disrespectful or dishonorable term. It's an, a term of endearment. You mean so much to me and I care so much about you. I can't be quiet and not contribute and not guide you, not direct you. Ask me, Peter the Elder. I think in chapter, chapter, chapter five, he starts by saying, I think Peter the Elder, I think chapter 5, yeah. Peter the Elder, uh, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. He addresses himself as Peter the Elderly One or the Elder. The elders among, uh, the, uh, um, the elders which are amongst you are exalted, who am also an elder. Okay, so he addresses himself, I'm also an elder. I'm addressing, so it goes to a time when he starts to address the elders, but now he's, he's addressing us as an elder. Okay, so uh, it says that I beseech you, my dearly beloved. The elder is telling his dearly beloved, my people of God, my brothers and sisters, fellow countrymen, as you might put it, fellow citizens of the kingdom, fellow countrymen, fellow comrades, fellow servants, fellow builders, fellow uh, 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 strangers. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, then it, go, it, it drops, like I said last week, abstain. Abstinence is a very necessary aspect of the stranger's life. <laughs> Abstinence. said, abstain. But I was studying and I came across this. Abstain from fleshly lust. I think the NIV. Please, can you, let's see how the NIV read. It says that ab ab abstain from sinful desires. These are desires. You know, when the... You, would you agree with me that you actually do not initiate a desire as it were? A desire is a taste. It's something that is innate, inborn. You, you, it, it comes. You, you don't have to fake, okay, you don't have to fake a desire. You can stir it up, but it must be personal. It must be with you. A desire. For instance, if I don't like red colors, I just don't like it. I just don't, if you don't like rice, you just don't like it. If you don't like bread, you just don't like it. Like many children, uh, some children who they just don't like, they like ice cream. They like ice cream. It's, it's a natural, it's a desire. It's a desire. Sometimes you can acquire it, or you can develop it, but it's there. Now he said, abstain from a certain desire, sinful desires, abstain from it. it even though that desire is in it. It's intrinsic. He said, abstain. In other words, abstain from allowing, watch this, abstain from allowing yourself to go in a certain direction so long as your desires are concerned. Because if you allow yourself, you will go in a, a way, a, a direction that is not befitting, or doesn't befit your status. It doesn't, it, it doesn't uh, work with your, uh, who you are in Christ. 
So he says that, and much more, because you are a pilgrim, because you are a sojourner, because I am a sojourner, because we are sojourners, we are supposed to abstain. We are supposed to stay away, stay away, abstain. Abstain means that you refrain, you, you purposely choose not to engage in it. So abstinence is a matter of choice. Abstinence. Now he said, abstain, abstain from sinful desires, or the King James says, abstain from fleshly lust, which I told you what it is. Now, remember the caveat, the foundation is as strangers, as pilgrims. So because we are pilgrims, we are supposed to, because we are strangers, we are supposed to do something. We are supposed to move away from something. We are supposed to stay away from some things. So he says that now, now he's talking about our, uh, uh, our life or living as sojourners. Number one, he says abstain. So it has to do with internal abstinence or, or personal private discipline. When he says abstain from sinful desires, actually, I cannot just look at you. You can't just look at me and tell what desires are growing in me. You can. It's so private. But sometimes you, the one who is having the desires, you know the kind of desires that are growing. Sometimes some desires can be growing in us to our own troubles. Sometimes you feel so frustrated. Why am I getting so angry? Why am I feeling so much for chocolates? Why? I, I know I'm not supposed to eat chocolate. I'm just, I don't know why. I, I'm asleep and 5 a.m. I wake up. All that is, I, feel, I woke up and I feel chicken. I need to eat chicken. I need to eat uh, uh, chocolate. I need to, you, you know, and sometimes you, you are not just pleased with what? what? troubling you and some you might not be able some, maybe you are on the bed with your spouse with your brother with your sister you are living in the same house with your mate but they never know the desires that are growing in you because desires personal desires are so private people might not even note at what point in time this desire is only bible says that when desire i think james chapter um 1 verse 13 and 14 James chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, where it talks about, don't say God is tempting you when you get into temptation. All right. When, don't say it's God. No, it's not God. Because God cannot be tempted. Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. In other words, God will not try and make you do evil. No, God won't tempt you to do evil. So anything that makes you want to do evil is not God. All right. God will, cannot be ten, tempted with evil. Neither tempt he any man. Now, when he say tempt he any man, he's talking about he will not try and make you, okay, go and do evil, let's see. Go and do evil, let's see. Pushing you towards evil. No, God can't do that. So where is the temptation coming from? Verse 14 says that, um, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. How does the New King James put it? Every man is tempted, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away of his own what? Desires. You know the desires I spoke about? The desire. There's something in you that is moving you towards a certain direction. And everyone has got it. We've all got it. You can be a Christian and you can be on fire for Jesus today. And then because it's Bible, that's what Bible calls it, fleshly lust. Fleshly. The fact that you are in a human nature that desire will always be coming. So it's our job to abstain from it or, or our Bible says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 
16. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So the flesh has desires and entice, enticements. Something that is attracting you in a certain direction. We are all... Uh, uh, no, you might be listening to God's word. You really love God's word. But there's something else also growing in you. Or there's something else also very much alive in you. Which is not in, in, in agreement or in line with God's word for you. That becomes the, the Christian's lifelong battle with sin. It's not one week. So if you are in your mid-twenties, may I tell you, you have about 80 more years of fighting of fighting with sin, dealing with It's a lifelong struggle. I'm not even thinking that you just look at sin and say, oh, that's okay. There are things that will grab you so much that sometimes you have to practically fight to move away from it. Fight to move away from it. I know you understand what I'm talking about. That is why we don't have to be so consumed with the problems we notice in others. Oh, how can you do this? How can you do this? We must rather be empathetic and see, which is deep, and see how we can help them, which is different from people who are continuing and they don't care and they now, they, are, they say, this is what I want to do. That's different. There's a difference between falling into temptation and comfortably living in sin. <laughs> comfortably living. People who live a certain way, I'm talking about Christians, okay? Christians, please, sojourners, uh, pilgrims. There are people who live a certain way and they just don't care. You, Who are you to tell him that the Bible says, oh, as a Christian? No, they don't care. They don't care whatever. They just want to do anything. Now, that borders on either backsliding or maybe the person is actually not a Christian. Because I think in our, some of the teachings last week, I spoke about when you're a Christian, the Bible says that he who is born of God practices righteousness. First John chapter 2, verse 29. When you are born of God, you actually practice righteousness. When you are born of God, okay? So he who is born of God, he, we know that anyone who practices righteousness, so you practice it. it it's your practice. It's your engagement, all right? So we can't say, oh, the fact that someone... It's a habitual sinner. You know, someone can be born again by habitual. That means you are not repented. Because if you repent, you don't feel comfortable about sin. And that is why we always work to our away from it. Does that mean you become automatically sinless? No. You, you don't become automatically sinless. But you, it, that's why it becomes a journey. A journey. A Christian lifelong battle with sin. As you walk in the spirit, it makes it easier for you to overcome sin. Now, back to the point I'm making. So, we are supposed to abstain from fleshly uh, fleshly desires. And it says that when desire is conceived, James chapter 1 verse 14, when desire is, is that you are tempted by your own uh, desires and uh, uh, is drawn, you are drawn away by his own, his own desires and, and and enticed now look at the next verse and when desire is and when desire has conceived it gives birth to sin so sin doesn't just happen it starts with desire that is why the bible says that abstain from fleshly desires it's inside you and so as pilgrim if you don't abstain from it you'll be found wanting you'll find yourself indulging in things that are so despicable or that actually hurt you you are not happy it makes you sad anytime a christian finds himself in sin it really breaks their heart any any genuine christian who finds himself in sin of any magnitude 
it breaks their heart. Sometimes a person can be caught in a certain sinful state and they, they seem to be practicing it over a period of time and yet their hearts are broken. Their hearts are broken. That is why when you're a believer, you find another believer who is caught in a sin. You have to reach out to them and see how best with love and care, love and care and empathy, see how you can. You should, let's not rejoice because we feel, ah, so this is what he's doing. So this is what she's been doing. Ah, look at him. Look at him. Uh, they call all these people called that's the language of unbelievers. All these people call themselves Christians, but look at them, look at their behavior, look at their behavior. No, we Christians are uh, approaches. Oh, our brother has fallen. Our comrade has been hit. A, a, a sniper fire has hit him. Let's see how. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. He said, brethren, if anyone is overtaken by a fault, you who are spiritual, the sign of a spiritual person, the sign of spirituality is the heart to want to restore the one who has been hit, who has been uh, who has been victimized or has fallen into sin. It's, it's a sign. One of the signs of genuine spirituality is you want to see others restored. You want to see. You are not interested in exposing them, but you are more interested. Your interest is to get them restored. And your interest is not to get them exposed and get, get not to get them humiliated or embarrassed. Some people say we have to expose. We have to expose. No, that we are not called to expose brethren. We are called to restore brethren. It's a sign of spirituality. Are we called to cover up sin? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we are called to stand with one another. All right. So abstain from fleshly lust, which which war against your soul. Now watch, the reason I had to go on to that again is not necessarily seen being the war, but it's about this as sojourners. So First Peter chapter 2, it, it says that, therefore as pilgrims is... Uh, dearly beloved, I beseech you, angels and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your soul. Now look at the next verse. That is very important. That is bringing, is bringing our social responsibility, our relationship with others. Watch this. It says that um, having your conversation honest amongst the Gentiles. Now the Gentiles here, those who are not in fold, those who are not in the, uh, among the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, a peculiar people, those who are not like us. He said, having your conversation, the word conversation is lifestyle, okay? Or your conduct. Give us New King James, please. New King James, having your conduct honorable amongst Gentiles. Look at uh, uh, NIV. It says that um, uh, live, live such good lives among the pagans, among the pagans. So pagans, the unbelievers, the Gentiles. So here Gentiles is not talking mainly as the Gentiles of Gentiles, like non-Jews, but it's talking about those who are not in the fold, those who are not part of the holy, uh, the royal priesthood, the holy priesthood. It says that we have to live as uh, our lives uh, uh, or conduct, uh, having your conduct honorable amongst the Gentiles. Watch this. That when they evil, uh, when they speak against you as evildoers, this is very important. This is interesting. So, they would speak against you as evildoers. Listen, as a Christian, you don't have to do wrong for people to speak against you as a wrongdoer. You don't have to do wrong. I remember when I was in secondary school, and I think I told this story a while ago, when the, it's like I was a science student and we were about to do 
getting closer to the exam and the chemistry uh, master had to teach us something that is likely based on the uh, the directives which the examination national examination council gave him they can tell maybe this is the questions that are coming so sometimes they want to gather their special students and show them okay this is what they they said we should use this test tube we should get this um uh, substance so that means it's likely this is the question these are the questions coming so they will take you through all the various potential questions but really it is not right it's not right but sometimes and everywhere people just do it to favor their own students or to for uh, monetary purposes so as a christian when we were asked to come together so we will be taught what is likely to come i felt like i just am a christian i can't en en engage in that it's not right for me to engage in because it's dodgy. It's really not legal. It's not right. And guess what? There was a backlash against me and my my colleagues. Our colleagues said that the, the lecturer said, if you guys, do, if some, if one person in the class said he won't do it, then I can't do it for everybody because then the, that person can put us, get us on in trouble. And so they were begging. And we are about seven of us. Um, so they, they they started castigating us. Some of them said, you want to destroy our lives. Why don't you do it? Why are you people? You? They rather evil against us. Can you imagine? We became the evil doers because we are stopping their liberties and their freedom. Why are you trying to, why are you trying to infringe on other people's liberties by virtue of your belief? Why are you trying to make people know? Christians never force people to behave a certain way they should. Anytime people force people to behave in line with their their personal philosophy it is not christianity it is religion religion is what forces people you have to do this you have to do this you have to do that and that and that religion forces their beliefs on you and if you don't do it they hate you if you don't do it they attack you no unfortunately a christian can't do that a christian you i can you can be living with your brother or your sister sharing a flat and your brother and sister might be living in a very ungodly way you might not subscribe to it you might not support it you might not encourage it and as a brother or as a sister as a sibling sometimes we all have the right to tell no this is wrong you can even speak about things that are wrong socially and then you can't be doing this you can't be doing that let's say your sister is having a a, a, a major problem with your mom and disrespecting your mom you can say no it's wrong even besides all things you can't do that you can you know you can confront them on that grounds but you can't tell that your sister if let's say your sister or your brother chooses to um be practicing okay let's say fornication because the bible speaks against fornication okay all right so let, let's use fornication i was going to use other things but i think fornication is quite straight away the uh, bible speaks again if your sister chooses or your brother chooses to be living their lives in fornication you cannot say how can you be doing this you are breaking the law of god and you are hate no 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 that is not christian that is not christian that is actually unchristian that's actually unchristian so you can't be a christian and or you christianity does not watch the, the point i'm making is christianity doesn't impose and enforce uh, the uh, christian norms on others
We don't, we don't have to force it on others. We don't have to force them to behave the way we think they should behave. Rather, we have to win them to Christ. And now when you are in Christ, that is different. That is discipleship. We disciple you to grow and to, as I said earlier on, because we are regenerated, we are supposed to live godly lives and conduct ourselves in holy manner. I hope I'm making point. So now back to the, the text. It says that as strangers... Abstain from fleshly lust, and then say, conduct your lives. Let your conduct, um, having your conduct honorable amongst the Gentiles, that they will speak. When they speak evil against you, they will when. It's not if, when. So they always, that is why it's, I, I do not encourage a Christian to join unbelievers in attacking a Christian. Yeah, they might have maybe a point. They might have a point which you can see there's a point there, but do not actively join unbelievers in actually attacking other believers. Attacking other believers because, yeah, he shouldn't have said what he said. Yes, he shouldn't have said what he said. Yes, she shouldn't have said what they said. But as a fellow believer, you, if you can't defend them, then don't attack them. Don't join in throwing stones as a fellow believer. It, it's, it's, it's not right because even when a believer hasn't gone wrong the unbeliever finds the believer annoying it's natural unless you are not living by god's word but if you are living by god's word and the life of god is in you and the life of god in your mother unbelievers unconsciously naturally find you very offensive very annoying they're not like they are bad people I'm not, listen, I'm not saying when somebody is an unbeliever, he's a bad person. No, please, let's, no, no. They are very good people. Might not be Christians, but very good. They are even people who are, let's say, a Muslim or a Hindu or other religion. Everybody, every human being has a certain level of goodness and niceness in them at uh, giving points. That is why it is not right, it is not the best thing to compare the quality of your spiritual life with somebody else's. Because you might not, uh, uh, chocolate might not be a problem for you. Let's say eating chocolate is a sin and eating chicken is a sin. Please, illustration, okay? Use something that, okay, bitterness, okay? So you might not have issues with bitterness because you easily forgive but you have issues with contentions you will easily quarrel with anybody anybody from the president to the gardener you will fight with anybody quarrel with anybody you anytime you are not quarreling you are not happy you know maybe that's your personal weakness it's easy to be quiet about quarrels and be big on um Bitterness. Some people are always bitter. Always bitter. You don't have to have a bitterness. And blast, and blast bitterness and usually go very silent on quarrel, uh, being cantankerous or being quarrelsome. Because it's our weakness. So sometimes we get very wound up with what we find in others, which in ourselves we don't see why. I won't do that. But you do something else which others will also not do. So that means that we have to be very caring and sympathetic with others. Now the point I'm making is there are a lot of unbelievers who have goodness in them. I mean, being a human being, you have some goodness in you. There are, there are, there are people who don't practice atheists, who don't practice religion, but so nice to work with. So lovely people. Some, people, some of you have bosses and uh, executives chief executives, directors, who are so nice and caring. 
And unfortunately, some of you might also know some colleagues who might be Christian, but very, very obnoxious. <laughs> pray, praise the Lord. You know what I'm talking about. Now, being a Christian doesn't mean you are excused from all. But as, a, as pilgrims, there is, there is an instruction. There is an... Watch this. This is a very strong point I'm about to make. Once you become a, a believer, there is an inward ability supplied by the Spirit to live a certain way. So you can't say, oh, it's, it's not my personality. No, you can live the way that glorifies God because the strength is not from you. There is an internal and inward strength, an inward ability by the Holy Ghost to live in a certain way. So he says that whilst they speak evil of you, that's very important. He says that conduct your life in such a way Conduct your life in such a way. I'm talking about First Peter chapter two, verse twelve, please. First Peter chapter two, verse twelve. He said you have to conduct, conduct uh, uh, your having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak evil, uh, when they speak against you as evil doers, they may, by your good works. I wish we were in an actual service where I'll tell everybody. I'll say to everybody. Everybody say good works good works by your good works which they observe so now watch this it has moved from the private discipline into public observance what others can see in your life what they can see in your life will force them they may by your good work which they observe force them to glorify god jesus said in matthew chapter 5 verse 16 let your light so shine before men that they, that they will see your good works Did you see that they will see your good works they will see your good works now good works here are honorable works works that you know no body in their not rush normal sense will easily condemn and be, it be supported. For instance, someone steps on your toe or someone, uh, uh, like I believe, the, I believe it's Pope John Paul, he was shot. He was, someone tried to assassinate him some years ago and he didn't die, he survived it. And in hospital, the man was arrested and Pope John Paul said, no, no, I, I forgive him. I forgive now which human being can say no that's wrong for him to do that that's wrong it's 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 so laudable it's so wow you know there are some things that when you engage in like your your enemy is hungry and you say no no here's food eat ha sometimes those of us who drive on the way there's someone who is very mean on the way trying to uh, uh, marginalize you or narrow you and then Unfortunately, you get the upper hand, and now sometimes it's like I have to teach this guy a lesson. And then he said, oh, No, 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 that's okay, that's okay, go. You know, these conducts are important, charismatic believers. <laughs> you live in a house with your mom, you live in the house with your sister, and you are the most contentious person as a believer, most contentious person in the house. You speak in tongues, shallow in the morning in your room. You, you, you scream and shout in tongues and you don't care whether others want to sleep or not. You are talking to your God. So they should, they should shut up and you talk to your God. Please, please, let them see your good works. Be considerate. This, some things are just right to do. 
Some things are good to do as a believer. So besides dealing with your internal struggles, uh, abstaining from fleshly lust, we are supposed to now live in such a way that people observe that, oh, oh that's good. That's nice of you. That's nice of you. We must have a lot of people saying, oh, that's nice of you. That's nice of you. That's nice of you. Our objective, watch this. What this is, I'm about to drop another very important point. Our objective is not them, what they say, but at the fundamental or the foundation behavior is because we are actually on our way going somewhere. We are pilgrims and strangers. And so, because we are pilgrims and strangers and sojourners, we we can't be we we can't be bothered so much about what we are not getting now remember i said in the introduction to first peter that it's a book that was written to suffering believers so it was written to encourage us to be able to suffer for christ that's fundamentally the general theme or the overarching um theme or motive of first peter okay actually both peters but first peter the overarching motive is to enjoin us encourage us to be able to live suffering for Christ and doing things. So now coming back to the text, he says that let's let's live our life such that they will see our behavior and glorify God. They see the good works. They see the good works. My brother, I want to encourage you. <laughs> mind, mind. I don't care. I don't. No, no, please. Mind the kind of good works you are. Your neighbors think you are like almost like a devil. <laughs> you are so unfriendly. You are so cantankerous. You are so arrogant. We might all have our personal weaknesses. All right? We might all have our personal weaknesses. And for your information, our temperaments, our temperaments and our upbringing and our exposure have a way of tuning us in a certain way. Sometimes we can even end up being skewed being twisted in a certain way but once we are in christ we our strength comes from the holy spirit that is why you we have to walk in the spirit we have to do this all right now as you are doing it there's a mindset you are you must have that well i'm a stranger i'm a pilgrim i'm a stranger because we are strangers we have to abstain from fleshly lust that's private private discipline private issues we have to deal with it privately and then now besides that we also have to conduct ourselves so you can't just say i can't just say well it's between me and god it's just in my heart it's just in my heart i don't care what anything i can hang around that lady anyone i know god i know my heart and i don't mean anything bad but the impression you are creating is not good the impression you are creating somebody with their wife or fighting with their husband and you always you you are seen to be like this with this person who is having serious severe marital issues and you are not even making anything you're not helping to make it better but it looks like you are rather winning them away from their wife or winning them away from their husband maybe that might not be your intention but it seems to suggest your behavior the way you are going about things seem to suggest you actually endorse this thing very heavily you know so much as your heart might be clean your conduct must be seen as much as possible to not look that bad I'm not, I'm not suggesting, the Bible is not suggesting you have to be hypocritical, but you must be good inside, outside. We must be good. Our, our genuineness shouldn't stay inside alone. 
It should show outside, including giving to others who are in need, helping people when they are in need. It is a Christian social responsibility. Hallelujah. So it says that we should live in such a way that people will see our good works and um, give glory to God. Now, back to the verse 12. Having your conversation amongst the Gentiles that also having your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, watch this. Verse 13. Submit. This is this is where it gets hotter. So, first of all, we deal with our personal self when it comes to uh, 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 living as sojourners, our personal issues, internal struggles, uh, internal, internal discipline. Then secondly, our relational or social or public relations now and then besides our public relations he throws in our social responsibility okay social responsibility submit yourselves to every that's a very strong one submit yourself to every ordinance of man for no no it didn't say god's law it said man ordinance there is laws commandments so is that the law of the land jesus said the other time we were reading in mark jesus said give unto caesar what belongs to caesar and give to god what belongs to god he said submit that's very strong submit yourself submission here is a military term the original greek word translated submit is a military term which means bring uh, like soldiers bringing themselves in order based on the uh, instructions of the commander so you bring yourself in order the the commander said attention and everybody or stand at ease and everybody does that everybody fall in fall in line and every it's like you you bring that's the word submission there the greek word means that it's a military word that means you have to force yourself and do as commanded all right now he said submit yourself to every don't know some this is very interesting every law every ordinance of man for the law's sake whether it be of the king as supreme so whether it's coming from the uh, the president or the prime minister or the king or look at verse 13 uh, verse 14 i'm sorry or unto the governors as unto them that's uh, that are sent by the king okay by him for the punishment of evil doers and praise of those who do well so every government every right proper government and government has this to punish those who do wrong and reward those who do right it's, it's normal every human government is you no know, even in tyrants what they define as wrong when you do something wrong uh, for instance there's no there's no community that rewards murder rewards murder so there's no law that people can make and said you can kill anybody at all you want kill the king's son kill the, uh, the assassinate the the leader and free no so these things are not so if you do that is wrong if you go and steal somebody's house somebody's car somebody's it's there's no community where stealing is endorsed that you can steal or uh realizing other people's uh, properties and there's no community so generally speaking there are rules that govern human social uh, uh, cohesion and he says that submit yourself to the rules that govern social social relationship it's our social responsibility to submit he said um uh, whether to the king 
or to the ones who are representing. So the police officer, the police officer is there and he stops the, your car. He said, no, I'm not stopping. Who is this man? I don't like him because of his race. I don't like him. I'm going to drive. No, it's not right. You can't be a Christian and do that. So are there instances, listen, I know the question somebody's asking. Are there instances where a government can make a law and it's wrong and we can say no to it? Certainly. But Bible says we should submit ourselves. Let me read it through quickly. Look at verse 14 again. The verse, the verse 14 says that, or unto governors, as unto them that are by him for the punishment or punishment of evil doers for the and, the and for the praise those verse 15 do well verse 15 said for watch this for so is the will of god ah, ah god i want to know your will that's it, that's it over there so is the will of god that that with well doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men we can we can indulge and continue in certain practices that are against the law as believers a believer cannot indulge and continue. It's not, we are not supposed to do that. We are not supposed to do that. All right. How about, see, watch this. He didn't, he did not say, when the government say you are free to worship idols, go and worship idols. No. He said that if the government, say, oh, let me put it another way. Um, let's say the government makes a law that you are free to not forgive anyone who has hurt you and harbor it. The government, no one can punish you for that. That liberty, or the government say you are free to fornicate. Let me use that one. You are free to fornicate. It doesn't mean because government say, okay, fornication is not a crime. Go and fornicate. No. What he's saying is that if the government say fornication is, is a crime, it's, it's not a crime, the word of says it's a sin. Ablation goes. But it doesn't mean the fact that government says you are free to do it, go and do it. What he's saying is that if the government say you are not free to do it, then if the government say you are not free to to um, send, oh, okay, let me use this. If the government say you are not free to um, 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 slap a child, if the government say you are not free to do that, as a Christian, you must obey the laws of the land. If the government say pay fifty percent of your tax of your earning as tax, you are supposed to do that. Yeah, that's what he's trying to say. If the government, what if, if, it's, if it's unfair, then if there are systems in place to challenge what is unfair, let's, put, let's follow the system. But we can say the government, the law says this, but I'll do otherwise. All right. So we cannot seem, we cannot do what the law says wrong. Ah, pastor, but you know there is where the law is teaching us or is enjoying or demanding something ungodly from us and we are supposed to do it. Don't watch this. We are supposed, in fact, let me jump to verse 17 and then I'll, I'll throw a bit more light. Look at verse 17. Look at verse 17 of First Peter chapter 2. Verse 17 that honor all men, love the brotherhood, do what? Fear God and honor the king. So our fear of God is above every other thing. As I thought, we are a holy nation. We operate by the rules of God, not by the rules of a nation. In other words, but once we are in the nation, the rules of God says that we shall we should submit into, to the rules of the nation. But if the rules of the nation over uh, conflict with the rules of God, then that is a different story. Like Acts chapter five, verse twenty-nine. Peter says, "We will rather obey God. We will obey God rather than men. We will obey God." Peter says to you. We ought to obey God rather than men. So men, men say, don't preach. God said preach. What would you do? You have to obey God. You have to obey God. Right? You obey God and that can bring you into problem with the law. But that's okay. 
that is okay if it brings you into problem with the law now if the the law says that you can preach but don't preach in this way in other words don't be preaching on the internet and it's a law then for instance in in africa and certain parts of the world i believe you can stand on a bus and preach but in the united kingdom i'm not sure about america and other places but united kingdom when you stand on the bus and you try to preach it's actually not lawful it's still not lawful or if the bus driver stop what you are doing you are disturbing us you have to obey the bus driver and then and stop it but he don't say no god said i should obey i should preach wait when they get down you can preach to them when they get down okay when people come up so in other words you there's a difference between don't do it this way or don't do it at all. Now, if they say don't obey God, then that's a different story. But if they say we are, you can obey God, but not in this way. And there are other ways you can still carry the instructions of God, fulfill the instructions of God besides this, then why not? Why not do it other ways so we don't come into problem with the law and we are also still fulfilling what God says we should do? I hope I'm making sense. Now, in Exodus chapter 1, verse 15, 16, 17, Bible says that the king gave instructions to the midwives that when any Hebrew child that is born, if he's a male, kill him! Kill him! But, but listen, to Bible says, but the Hebrew uh, midwives, they feared the Lord. But the Hebrew midwives feared God so and did, uh, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. You see what I'm saying? They didn't do it. But save their children because what they were doing, what the king, what the, the law of the land was requiring them to do was in direct conflict to, uh, to or in conflict with what God has asked them to do. So they feared God, so they can't do that. I fear God and I can't do this. I fear God and I can't do this. I fear God, Martin Luther said, my, cap my conscience has held me captive. I can't do what you are trying to do. The church authorities are trying to tell me to do. The scripture has held my conscience captive. I will obey the scripture more than author authorities or guarding rules. So watch this. Verse 20 says that, Exodus 1.20, this is a very interesting point. Exodus, Exodus 1.20, Bible says that, and the Lord blessed them, the Lord, the Lord. And therefore God dealt well with the midwives. Did you see that? And, and the people, God dealt well with them. God blessed them. They were doing well. Their business were prospering. Why? Because they obeyed God. Rahab got saved in Joshua chapter 2, the same thing. In Joshua chapter 2, reading from verse 4 to 6, the the um, soldiers came looking for the spies, and he told the she told the soldiers, "Oh, they've gone out. They just got just before the gate got shut. They went out that way." And so she lied to the soldiers and showed them they have gone that way. She broke, uh, she disobeyed the law of the land when she was supposed to bring out the spies who had come against their land. She disobeyed the law of the Lord, the land, and that's that's what Rahab did. And Hebrews says that by faith, Rahab did not perish. God saved her and her household. Why? Because she obeyed God instead of the laws of the land. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Gen um, Daniel chapter 3. Bible says that the king, a big image, verse, verse 3, that everyone should bow. And he commanded all his governors and satraps and called them, verse 4, that as soon as you hear the sound of this 
the hornet, you everyone should fall down and bow. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, We can't do this against God. The king was informed that these Hebrew boys are being stubborn and they said they won't bow. So the king called them and he was very angry from verse 15 and 16 of Daniel chapter 3. The king was very angry and he said, You won't obey me. You will not obey me. If you don't obey me, he said, Stir up, t turn it up, turn the fire up, heat it up. And they heated it up and seven times. And he said, If you don't obey me, I'll throw you into the fire. And they said, we are, I like the way, what, the way they said in verse 16. We are not careful to answer you about this matter. It's not a subject of consideration. Oh, the book we have no need to answer you on this matter. It's not a subject of consideration. We won't disobey God. Kill us. We are ready for the consequences. That is why Pete, the book of Peter was written. Because it was written to people who would like to do it God's way and will suffer for their obedience to God. However, he told them, submit to the natural laws and authorities. It's very interesting. Submit to the land, the laws of the land you live in. If the laws of the land say that if you want to marry A, B, C before you get married, or this is how marriage is defined here. Marriage is defined by going to the local authority or getting, um, or you are living in a, a community and parents must come together and give marriage. Don't say, I don't care. I don't care. I've found somebody, me and love. Today is Valentine's Day. We are going to propose and we are going to. No, 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 no. Please, you come from a family. You didn't come from, you were not plucked out of space. You come from a family. You live in a house with your family. You live in the house with your mother. And sometimes, don't understand, those people who don't pay bills, you don't pay rent. And someone is paying the rent and you want to dictate how things should run in the house. Please humble yourself. <laughs> Please humble yourself. Now, if you live with someone, the person said you can't God. That's a different thing. You have to find a way of serving God. If the person say you can't be praying out loud, shalabababa, or hey God, at 6 a.m. and prayer time is 6 a.m. and the one you live with said you can't pray 6 a.m. you disturb everybody. Then what? You keep quiet or pray your in your heart. It, you see, you, they can't stop you from what is in your heart. But pre physical behavior, they can tell you you can't do this here. You can't do this here. Some you live with someone and you you let's say you are fasting and you break your fast at 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. and you cook at 9 p.m. and the one you live with says that uh, at 6 p.m. or after 6 p.m. I don't want the oven or the cooker to be turned on because we don't do it here. Well, if if it is a legitimate unless maybe you live with your sister and she doesn't have the right to tell you what not to do. That's a different story. But if you are under authority, you work at a place, and they say your workplace says that um, you only have 30 minutes of lunch, but you go and take one hour because you have prayer meeting. Now that's wrong. That's out of order. That's out of order. So you have a social responsibility to adhere to the laws of the land. Oh, my time. Let me add Romans, okay? I hope you don't mind. Look at Romans chapter 13, very first 1 to 7. He said, let every soul be subject unto higher powers. Wow. For there is no power but, but of God. The powers that be are all of God. Who, whosoever therefore resists the power, resisted the ordinance of God. This is very interesting. Okay? Very interesting. So once we start rebelling against authority, domestic authority, civic authority, national authority, we are actually rebelling against God because God doesn't endorse rebels. However, as I said, Peter said we, re we obey God rather than men. Acts chapter 4 verse 19. said so we, we will obey God rather than men. That was allowed. Obey. It's when their laws are imposing or make want that any law that wants to make you disobey God, that's a different story. That's a different story. Like the instant, the situation of the Hebrew Hebrew uh, midwives, the Hebrew boys in Babylon, 
in the book of Nature's time, in Rahab's time, in the Apostles' time. This all, and in Revelation chapter 13, it tells us the Antichrist is going to make some laws, but we are not supposed to obey it. Antichrist will be ruling and make laws that we are not supposed to obey. That's different. But outside the law that is instructing you to disobey God, any law that is not instructing you to disobey God, boy, you have to obey it. Whether it's convenient or it's not convenient, that is the laws of God. The laws of God said, obey. Don't be a rebel, either in your house or in your neighborhood. Or, <laughs> Pastor, how about social distancing? Obey the laws. <laughs> All these conspiracy theories, I don't believe it. But believe in God's word and obey the law. As simple as that. Does that mean everybody obeys the law to the No, 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 no. There's a difference. If you are talking about someone breaking the law because you went to do something that you know you should have there, you accept that I've broken the law. You are well, willing to receive the punishment and the corresponding punishment uh, uh, or judgment that goes with it. That's fine. But you can, no, no one can tell me what to do. I don't care. I'll defy the law. That is not Christian. That is not Christian. Our social responsibility first is to behave good. Okay, we should, our conduct must be good. Secondly, our social responsibility is to be in submission to authorities. Now, let me finish reading Romans chapter 13. It said, whoever therefore resists the powers, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall, um, uh, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then not be, uh, be afraid of the power do uh, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of him. If they say the speed limit is 50, just do it. Just do it. And now if you get fined, don't say I won't pay it. No. If you didn't do it and you got fined, pay it. <laughs> he is, verse 4, can you imagine? For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he bears not the sword in vain. For he, he, uh, he is the minister of God, avenge, avenge, uh, uh, sorry, a revenger, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must need, uh, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath but also for conscience' sake as a Christian, for conscience' sake, for for watch this, for for this cause. Pay ye tributes, that means taxes. Pay your taxes. For this cause, pay ye tributes, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. So, yeah, they are God's ministers attending, making sure this is done. Verse 7. Render therefore to all their, their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Wow. Christianity. Social responsibility of a Christian. I have to end. Time is up. We have been called. We have been called to deal with ourselves, private struggles, internal disciplines. Our public relations must be that of good, spoken well of, and then we have a social responsibility towards the society at large. How we live based on the laws of the land. I will continue this in our next session. I pray this has been a blessing and someone has got something. God bless you. The believer's social responsibility. The social responsibility. Of the Thank country. you for listening. 
To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Why don't you subscribe to our YouTube channel at Caris Church and subscribe to our podcast so you are always up to date. Be blessed.